Our scripture that was previously read came from Joshua, the fourth chapter, the 19th through the 24th verse. And I want to lift up just the 21st verse, which reads, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. A little girl asked her mother one Sunday morning as she was preparing lunch, Mommy, why do you cut the ends off the turkey before you cook it? The girl's mother turned, looked at her and said, Oh, sweetie, I'm not really sure why. But I suppose you cut the ends off the meat so that the meat can absorb better the juices and spices and make it more tender. Maybe you better ask Grandma, since she was the one I learned it from. She always did it that way. The little girl called her grandmother later that day on the phone and asked her the same question. Grandma, why do you cut the ends off the turkey before you cook it? The little girl's grandmother responded, Oh, sweetie, I'm really not sure. I think it is so that the juices will be absorbed better. Call your nana. She is the one I learned it from. The little girl began to get a bit frustrated with the whole idea, but decided to call her great-grandmother anyway. Nana, Mom was preparing lunch the other day, and she cut the ends off the turkey before she cooked it. I asked her why, and she said she did it because the juices would absorb better, making it more tender. She told me to ask Grandma to make sure because she had learned it from her. When I called Grandma, she said the same thing about the juices and all, and she said she learned it from you, and I should ask you, Nana, why do you cut the ends off the turkey before you cook it. There was a long pause in the conversation and then the little girl heard what sounded like muffled laughter coming from the other end of the line. What's so funny, Nana? Oh, sweetie, I cut the ends off the turkey before I cooked it because my pan was too small. One of the most dangerous things that we can do, especially in the church, is to do things only because that's the way they've always been done. But the thing that I liked about this story, more than highlighting the idea that we do things simply because of how they've always been done, is the idea of forgetting why we actually do the things that we do and failing to transmit that information from generation to generation. Beloved, we are raising a whole generation of people who not only have contempt and disdain for our history and our traditions, but also have no idea or connection to what gave them that ability to be in contempt in the first place. There is a price, and dare I say, a heavy price to pay when we do not honor or teach our history and legacy to the next generation. And so, in light of this fact, and in kicking off our celebration of black history, I want to preach a message that I have simply titled, Lest We Forget. Let us pray. 
Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or however you have formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Father, we ask that you now, Lord, incarnate your spirit in this body of flesh. And may I speak a word, Lord, that is on time and in season for your people. For we are listening, O God, to what thus saith the Lord. So speak now, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. The words of this song, and in particular this stanza, points to the idea that many years were spent with blood, tears, and sweat by our forebears to get us to where we are today. The fact that you can reasonably earn a decent living, purchase your own home, go wherever you please, get an education, buy what you want, marry whomever you want, and even vote in an election are all things that cost a generation before us and for which today many of us take for granted. And while I can agree that there are still some in our society that would like to deny us those freedoms, it does not change the fact that there was a time when separating families was the law, owning people was the law, lynching people was the law, learning to read was a death sentence, and trying to vote came at a cost. So when the song says, God of our weary years and God of our silent tears, it speaks to the past that required a people who despite the violent and oppressive forces of a devilish people and system kept their faith in a God who would by his might lead them into the light and bring us thus far on the way to enjoy the benefits that we have today. The road to this path or way was paved with sweat, blood, and tears. And while we may not truly ever be able to appreciate the depth of the sacrifices that were made by our forebears, make no mistake about it. That same evil that persecuted them is still present with us today. If there is one thing we can learn from the events of January 6, 2021, it is that the same evil that took Martin and Malcolm is the same evil that took George and Ahmad, and that same evil wants to take you and I today, lest we forget. In her best-selling book, Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent, Isabel Wilkerson talks about American racism and its close relationship and indeed similarity to the caste system of India. In the book, she makes this statement that the greatest threat to a caste system or racism, my words, is not lower caste failure, which 
in a caste system is expected and perhaps even counted upon, but lower caste success. By lower caste, she means the poor and the marginalized who occupy the bottom of the rung on society's ladders. She contends that any achievement by marginalized people who dare to step outside of the roles that are assigned to them in society and puts things out of order triggers, watch this, primeval and often violent backlash. Just to make it plain, brothers and sisters, Whenever black people start to accomplish anything or to do for themselves or to even try and elevate their standard of living, the upper caste, or shall I say racist white people, tend to react violently. This means that whenever you and I step out to do anything worthwhile to uplift ourselves, rest assured that there will not only be a reaction by the privileged class, but violence as well. And she is correct. Lest we forget, right after the Civil War, when the North defeated the South, and after the Emancipation Proclamation and the period of Reconstruction, we witness the rise of lynchings, massacres, the KKK, and Jim Crow laws. Lest we forget what happened after Barack Obama became president and served two terms, arguably, as one of the greatest presidents in American history, we witness the rise of Donald Trump and Trumpism, lest we forget what happened after Joe Biden became president, having the audacity to name Kamala Harris a black woman as vice president. We witness the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. Oh yes, my brothers and my sisters, any achievement by marginalized people who dare step outside of the roles that have been assigned to them will always be met with primeval and often violent backlash by the dominant and ruling caste. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm simply pointing it out so that we would not be misinformed. This tendency to violence is something that we as people of color need to understand because it is a clue to what we can anticipate from those who mean us harm. And lest we forget the pattern and lessons of our violent past and history, we are destined to fall prey to that insidious spirit that lurks in the shadows of every racist heart, no matter their skin color. The word violence means the use of physical force so as to injure, abuse, damage, or destroy. It is a methodology that serves either of two purposes. Number one, to maintain an established status quo, or number two, to disrupt an established status quo. In the former case, we see violence used to maintain the status quo when slave owners wanted to keep their slaves and thus engaged in a civil war. We see this when white people lynched, shoot, or maimed innocent black people without cause. We see this when police want to bring law and order. And we see this when abusers want to maintain their control over their spouses and their children. But secondly, we also see it as a tool to disrupt the status quo. When, hear me clearly, when non-slave owners wanted to end slavery and thus engaged 
in a civil war. When people respond to injustice such as police brutality, when stores and businesses are burned and looted, and when people are fired from their jobs or have arguments over who's got what rights on the road or even who's shoveling snow. What I'm saying to you, the point is, violence is often a tool that is used to effect some kind of change. And whether the cause may be seen as evil or noble does not change the fact that it is a means to get what you want using man's ways as opposed to God's ways. But to be clear, whether you're on the side of a good cause or an evil cause, if you accomplish your goals by violent means, believe me when I tell you those goals will be short-lived. This is expressly why people like Gandhi and Mandela and Dr. King's nonviolent movements were such powerful examples because the changes they caused were not only effective, but they are long-lasting. It is precisely why Jesus, his surrender to the violence of the cross has produced a change that you and I see today even in our very souls. Whatever you accomplish by violent means will also be lost by violent means. All those, Jesus said, who take up the sword will perish by the sword. So let me give a prophetic warning to this nation. And I am speaking to this nation, lest we forget. The United States of America was founded on the violent persecution of Native Americans, formed in the crucible of a violent revolution in 1776, built on the violent exploitation of people of African descent, became divided by a violent civil war of the 1860s and perpetrated today in a violent subjugation of the poor and marginalized. Lest we forget, we as a nation are destined to perish by the same violence that we perpetuate unless we take accountability and responsibility for our actions and repent of our many atrocities. January 6th, my brothers and sisters, was a warning shot that a sword is coming, lest we forget. All those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. So the question becomes, why should we not forget? Well, let's look at our text. Verse 20 says, and Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. As I shared before, we're raising a whole generation of people who not only have contempt and disdain for our history and traditions, but also have no idea or connection to what gave them that ability in the first place. There is a heavy price that we are beginning to pay because we have failed to honor and teach our history and legacy to the next generation. There is a reason why many of our children are disrespectful to their elders. There's a reason why many have no respect for authority. There's a reason why many of our children are unmotivated and lazy. There's a reason why many of our children have no sense 
of community. There's a reason why many of our children quit when things get tough. And there's a reason why our children don't know their history. It's because we have not told them what these stones mean. And the reason we have not told them was because our parents did not tell us either. You cannot teach what you do not know. This is why God instructs us to remember from whence we have come. For if we do not know our history or her story, then we will just be cutting off the ends of the meat and not know why. Leaving a whole generation to perpetuate a lie about how they got over. The stones that commemorate our history require us to take the initiative to tell our story. And if we fail to do so, then others will tell a story that is distorted and false. But thanks be to God that today we are living with a generation of young people that are asking, what do these things mean? It is a generation that came out in number in the Women's March and after the killing of George Floyd. It is a generation that took down the Confederate flag and is taking down monuments to white supremacy. It is a generation that is asking, what does it mean that we are celebrating black history, that we are building monuments to Dr. King and Richard Allen, that we commemorate our heroes with stamps, are celebrating the first black president, the first black vice president, CEOs and astronauts, or the first black anything. What does it mean that we remember anything at all? Well, the text tells us, for the Lord, your God, dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The presence of God, symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant, cut off the waters and allowed Israel to enter the promised land. Israel passed over on dry land across the Jordan, and it was another Exodus miracle. The God of the Exodus was also the God of the Jordan and the God of the land. In a land of great armies and opposition, Yahweh proved himself to be the Lord of all the earth. No matter where Israel found herself, she could depend on her God to deliver her. He is sovereign and he can control any enemy that Israel was facing. Likewise for us as people of God, we must realize that it was not only because of God that we made it this far and that it was only he who could lead us on this walk. We must remember our traditions and find new and creative ways to teach our very rich history to our children lest we forget God does not do miracles on the scale of the Exodus or the Jordan in every generation. Yet every generation can devise teaching and ritual situations, creative ways in which our children could experience anew what God had done for us. This is why we teach and this is why we celebrate black history lest we forget. Whenever a miracle was again needed by our people, God would again prove 
that his hand is still strong, that he could still bring fear upon any opposition, and that he is still worthy of our worship, and still worthy of our devotion, and still worthy of our praise. As the Lord God dried up the Red Sea, he dried up the savagery of slavery. As the Lord our God dried up the Jordan, he dried up the pain of Jim Crow, and we are crossing over. For the Lord our God brought us thus far on the way. God who has by his might led us into the light and who has kept us forever in the path for which we, our generation and the generations before us have prayed. The Lord our God did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is still with the African-American and people of African descent, black people all over the world. God's hand is still with us. The hand of the Lord is powerful. And because he has always been with us, we celebrate God's goodness by remembering our black history. And just so that we're not confused, American history is only a part of black history. So when we talk about black history, let's not forget Haitian General Toussaint Tel'Overture who led a successful slave revolt and emancipated the slaves in the French colony that we now know today to be Haiti. Let's not forget Jamaican Baptist deacon Paul Bogle, leader of the 1865 Morant Bay protesters who marched for justice and fair treatment for all people in Jamaica. Let's not forget Ghana's Queen Nanny of the Maroons who helped free over a thousand enslaved African people in Jamaica and is heralded as a national hero. Let's not forget South Africa's Steve Biko, who along with others guided the movement of student discontent into a political force unprecedented in all history of South Africa. Let's not forget Bishop Richard Allen, founder of the AME Church in protest against religious bigotry in the Methodist Church. Let's not forget Congressman John Lewis, the conscience of the Congress, who literally carried the mantle of authority in the fight for racial equality and justice. And finally, finally, let's not forget everyone of you who have had to endure so much to get where you are today for the sacrifices that you have made either to leave the land of your birth so that your children may have a better life or to deny your own pleasures so that others may enjoy theirs to put your own life at risk on the front line of a deadly virus just to care for those who are sick your contribution to our collective history is no less important so while you may not make the headlines like Martin and Malcolm Nelson or Nanny, you are a walking black history lest anyone forget. And lest we forget, despite all the violence that may come your way because you are striving for better, remember, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are 
able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you and I may be able to bear it. So, as people of African descent, we suffer like the Lord Jesus Christ, who was stripped of every ounce of his human dignity. Yet, as our national hero, he won the victory through self-giving and suffering when he rose from the grave on the third day, defeating all violence with his resurrection power. And so, even today, whatever the historical setting, wherever you are in the world, the people of God will face, always face, a life confronted with opposition. And we are tempted to find other ways sometimes to deal with our problems our way than doing things God's way. But we are called again and again to confess that there is only one Lord, one Lord of all the earth. And we need not seek after any other gods. We do not look for a warrior to, to freeze our enemies and to give us the land that is already ours. No, we choose to renew our quest for our identity in God, no matter our color, race, creed, or ethnicity. And we will seek for leaders God raises up to lead his people in the way of Moses, in the way of Joshua, in the way of Dr. King, and in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ through any difficulty or hardship that we may face. Why? Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. Jesus died and rose again to save us all. And he is coming again, just as he said, lest we forget. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved. <laughs>